Welcome to The Path and the Practice, a podcast dedicated to sharing the professional origin stories of the attorneys at Foley and Lardner LLP, a full-service law firm with over 1,000 lawyers across the U.S. and abroad. I'm your host, Alexis Robertson, Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Foley. In each episode of this podcast, you'll hear me in conversation with a different Foley attorney. You'll learn about each guest's unique background, path to law school, and path to Foley and Lardner. Essentially, you'll hear the stories you won't find on their professional bios. And of course, you'll learn a bit about their practice. Now, let's get to the episode. This episode features a conversation with Allison Zwang. I brought Allison on to talk about her experience being a summer associate in Foley's Detroit office. But because this is the path in the practice, I of course first have to get her to talk about her life and why it is she decided to attend law school and what it is that led to her working at Foley and Lardner. So our conversation begins with Allison discussing growing up in Rochester Hills, Michigan, reflecting on her decision to attend the University of Michigan for undergrad and to receive a degree in mechanical engineering, and discussing why it is she decided to attend the University of Michigan for law school. We then dive into her experience, or should I say experiences, at Foley, because Allison summered at Foley not once, not twice, but technically three times. She's been at the firm for the last three summers in a row because Allison first began working at the firm as a summer patent engineer. So she discusses that and her experience that summer, the following summer, and the one after that. And as she is um, exploring that and sharing about being a law student, she provides some wonderful advice along the way, including the importance of being authentic to yourself. Also, Allison is a great sport because there's a moment in the podcast where I essentially rant at her about the importance of having a LinkedIn profile. Because at the time of recording this, she did not have one. I hope she does by the time that uh, this publishes. But she was a great sport for indulging me in that discussion. But overall, I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Allison. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Let's just jump right in and have you introduce yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Allison Zwang. I am going to be a 3L at University of Michigan Law School, and I completed my undergrad degree also at University of Michigan in mechanical engineering. So go blue. I have to put that in there. Oh, this is very exciting. You are another brave summer associate, although should, should I say former summer associate, because you, you just wrapped up your time with Foley this summer, and I'm very, very happy that you agreed to be on the show. I think this can be intimidating Definitely. for some people, <laughs> but, but as we... As we talk, you'll see it's not. And just so all the listeners know, the way this works is like we we can see each other. We're in a dedicated podcast recording platform, but it's kind of like a Zoom call that we're recording. Like at, at the end of the day, that's a lot of what it what it looks like. So if listeners ever hear me talk about like a facial expression or I'm nodding my head, it's because we can actually see each other. But we don't record the audio and share. Or we don't record the video and share that with the world. But anyway, you you are a brave soul. Let's let's just dive right in before we talk about your experience at Foley this summer. I, it's the path and the practice. We have to talk a little bit about you. So let's start somewhere at the beginning. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Rochester Hills, Michigan, which is in the Metro Detroit area. Yeah, I've been there my whole life. Well, I want to hear more about, like, if I found you, say, in middle school, what were you into or how would you characterize yourself as a kid? Like, what kind of kid were you? Okay. I feel like I was kind of a tomboy kid at first, but then, like, got more girly as I grew up. But I was super into sports and I was always, like, very competitive. Um, I loved swimming. Um, 
everyone in the Detroit office knows that pretty much or everyone I work with because I like have a hard time. How did it come? How does that come up? I don't know. I make it come up in every conversation. Okay. And given that we are recording this during the Olympics, and I think I don't know if swimming's over or not, but this is a time where swimming's on the top, like on top of mind for a lot of people. How does that come up? Do you just like work it into conversations about yeah. swimming? <laughs> well, you know, in the Olympics, it was cool. I actually like swim against a few of the girls that um, one one of them on bronze. Yeah, so I made that come up definitely. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So I'm assuming that means you kept swimming into high school. Right. Yeah. And then um, I did high school and I didn't do college because I wasn't good enough for U of M's team. They're incredibly talented. But um, yeah, I still love doing it for fun. And um, it's really cool. I've maintained a lot of friends through it. So that's another way it comes up. But yeah, I'm just really passionate about it. Yeah. Okay, and I won't spend too long on the Olympics and whoever, you know, who you swam against that is since since swam in Tokyo, I suppose. But is that sort of like on the circuit, like you're exposed to certain people over the years and then some progress and then some don't? Is that, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I swam against some of these girls in like high school meets and then they just go on to do college and then they go on to just be really fast. And obviously when I swam against them, I lost. So... <laughs> This is funny though, because the episode, I think before yours is going to be, have been another summer associate, Savannah Levin, and she played soccer um, and actually even played so- soccer abroad in Sweden before law school. But it's just interesting. I feel like I'm getting all these former athletes on the pot on the podcast. <laughs> like that's like, that's a prerequisite now to be on the path in the practice is you have to have at least been like a pretty solid high school athlete. <laughs> I'm sorry. I laugh because I was not, I, which I share on the episode with Savannah, but all right. So that's interesting. Okay. So swimming was, and sounds like it still is a bit of like, like a passion. Tell me about you're in, you're in high school. You're going to head off to college. What was the thought process? How did that work for you? Yeah. Like I, I've always been one of those people. I, I'm not like, Oh, I want to do this. And this is my lifelong dream. And I've always wanted to be like, an engineer in my case for what I did for undergrad or I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I've kind of just gone. I mean, I've had a little bit of a plan, but I've just kind of gone along with the flow and see like how I like things and just, yeah, take, take chances and, and just see how things go and move along and figure it out on the way. Well, I think that's great. Cause I'm going to make, I'm going to pin you down in a second, but I just think this idea that we can just be introspective and know all of the answers for what works best for us. Unfortunately, we all tend to think that, but that's not how life is. You actually need to try things to know if you you like things. So that makes a ton of sense to me. But I do think for some reason, all of us are like, I should just sit in a room and think deep thoughts. Then I'll know what my career should be. And it's like, well, or you could just go try different subjects and see what you like. I totally agree. And it, it, it's interesting because like I've been in lectures and engineering where they're like, you know, if you, you know, took things apart and then rebuilt them as a kid, like definitely, you know, you want to be here. And I'm like sitting there like, well, I don't really necessarily think that's me, but I'm here. So I hope that's okay. (laughs) Well, it's funny because that definitely there's certain personality traits that come through that can really work well with certain jobs. But for a lot of us, if you're not exposed to a subject matter at all, 
you might not you might not know. But then for you specifically, how did you decide on Michigan? And by the way, anyone who listens to this show probably knows my University of Michigan leanings, which are partially because yes, I too went to the University of Michigan for law school. And also I'm married to a Michigan super fan. So apologies in advance if this is too much Michigan for anybody, but it is what it is. So I kind of want to say like, well, obviously you knew you wanted to go to the University of Michigan, <laughs> but maybe that's not the case. Maybe there was a, you know, more of a decision making that that happened behind that. Yeah, I mean, I um, I think I applied to a few schools for undergrad. I kind of decided on engineering, like right before applications. My dad's an engineer, and. I took, I took, I really liked physics and I really liked my pre-calc teacher. So I said, my dad's like, why don't you try that? And I was like, okay. So I applied, I think I applied to Michigan, Michigan State, and then a smaller school in Wisconsin, Marquette. So all Midwest. And as I'll I'll talk later more about like my choice for law school, but yeah, I really like the Midwest and Michigan was the best place that I got into for engineering. So I went there and, and that was it. Awesome. Yeah. It wasn't like a super hard thing for me. I just kind of like, like I said, I kind of just went with what happened and made the decision, you know, when it came time to do that. And I'm, I'm glad I did. I think it was a good decision. But what's interesting for you is because for some people, they will, will go with the flow. Like, yeah, I just thought I would focus on engineering. And then they're like, but two years in, I realized I didn't want to be an engineer and I wanted to study marine life and the Galapagos. <laughs> but for you, you did it. You stayed with engineering. And we don't have to spend a lot, a long time on college, but I'm just curious as to what that transition was like for you. And, and in particular, what made you want to focus on mechanical engineering, given that there are more than one type of engineering? What was it like going to college? Like, was that, did you just adapt to that and it was totally fine? Or did it take some getting used to, particularly at Michigan, which is so big. And I know a lot of those early classes are really large. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a challenge. It wasn't just like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm here. It's easy. Like, it was definitely difficult, especially with the big classes. Like you said, I definitely went to office hours a lot and talk to my professors one-on-one, which was super helpful for me and my learning style. And I know that different people learn differently. And I was one of those people that just asking questions and being able to interact with my professors was super helpful. And so um, it's funny, I, it was it, later on as I uh, started making more friends, it, we always joked like, I met all my friends in office hours. <laughs> <laughs> So, Which is funny. That's like a certain type of person. I think it's really positive and a great thing, but you look at each other like while you're both waiting for the professor and you're like, yeah. maybe we should strike up a conversation. Yeah. You're just like, you, you're automatically friends because you're spending so much time in the same place doing the same thing. So it worked out. Well, and you have shared priorities in terms right? of what you're trying to <laughs> learn. And then maybe you can compare some notes, particularly if you're in the, in the same classes. Um, and then, so it, doesn't sound like when you started in college, you knew that law school was going to be what happened next. Like, where does that come into play? How did you decide law school? So it wasn't obvious. I actually, so on my swim team, there was a a girl and her dad um, knew or worked with a patent attorney. And that's kind of like my first exposure to that. And I just, um, my dad had always told me like, I think you have a, like, you might, you would have a good temperament, you know, to be a lawyer. So I'm pretty like even keel and, and, um, 
maybe more introspective, thoughtful. I don't know if those are necessary qualities to be a lawyer, but mm, that's kind of what they're I'm good thinking. Ones. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call them that, but they're, they're certainly good ones to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't have any lawyers in my family. So um, my dad was just kind of offering his perspective as a non-lawyer, but um, so, so yeah, I talked to, to this woman and um, she was telling me about you know, her job and what she does. And I found that interesting. And I did my first year of engineering and I actually worked as like a assistant at her firm after my first year of engineering. And it was like a, it's an intellectual property boutique firm kind of near my house. And so I got exposure through that. And I, I still wasn't like, Oh, this is like for sure it. Um, I wanted to explore engineering more, but I always had it in the back of my mind, like, oh, this could be an option. Well, and you knew it existed, which by the way, as I've come to learn for the engineering types and folks who go on to do IP, that's actually the first hurdle because I don't know that a lot of people who um, focus on like the, you know, engineering and biology and some of these other more so STEM fields are actually aware of um, IP law as a path at all. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I was fortunate enough to have that exposure. And um, that was super helpful because I could always be thinking about it in the back of my mind and just like. It's back there. It was in the subconscious. Your subconscious right, was working. Right. And, I'm, and, and you're just like, when you're exploring everything, you just want to know all the options. So yeah, after I did, I did um, engineering. I did two more summer internships, I think in the engineering field. And then I decided that, you know, I think that law school thing was a good idea. And I did my applications, I think, yeah, like my senior year of college. Mm -hmm. And then um, once I had that done, I found out about Foley and Lardner at the end of my senior year. Who this is where it gets this is where it gets interesting. So you apply to school because your path is a little bit it's a little bit different from I think the typical law student, you know, getting connected with the law firm and that like you said, cuz you've actually been at Foley for multiple summers at this point, which was when when Allison and I first spoke, she was explaining to me how this is technically your is it your third it summer? My third summer. I know. Yeah, like you've been like you go way back with Foley and Lardner. So yeah, let's talk about that. What does that mean? You found Foley and Lardner your senior year. What does that mean? Yeah, so I, it's it's kind of interesting. I was just doing this lab class, um, senior year lab class, and my lab partner was telling me about another one of our classmates who's in mechanical engineering, and and he did this cool thing at um, a law firm, and he was trying to get my friend to do it, but he wasn't interested in law. But he's like, Allison, you're interested in law, like you should talk to him. And so I talked with him, found out about he was doing the summer patent engineer program over the summer. He did it the previous summer. I think that was the first summer that you guys had that position. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting to know. And, you know, I kind of just like put on my radar, like I said, but keep it in the back of my mind and maybe apply online or whatever. And then um, when I went to Michigan Law's preview weekend, I went to this like, I don't know, some lecture seminar thing. I don't know. It was like, it was one of those things where they bring in a panel of attorneys and they talk to you about what they do. And I saw a guy, he was um, a lawyer and (laughs) 
Uh, I don't want to call him a guy. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and um, he was from Detroit at Foley and Lardner. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this name's come up for me twice in the past like month or so. Like that's the unit. The universe was speaking to you, but go honestly, on. <laughs> honestly. So, and I was super, I, I kind of knew I was interested in staying in Detroit and this, and this attorney, he practiced in Detroit. So I was like, I have to go talk to him. So I talked to him about his experiences and, and like he gave me his email. And so I started looking into that position more and I emailed him like if he knew anything about this position, because I didn't really know much about it either. And he connected me with someone at Foley and yeah, I, the rest was history. <laughs> that was that. So then was, did you start at Foley your, is that the summer after you graduated or was it? Yeah. Right. Is that your first summer? Yep. It was yes. the summer between when I did undergrad and law school. Because I went straight through. Which is interesting because I have to say, I don't know when I became aware of the summer patent engineer opportunity. And for those who are listening, they're IP lawyers. They may know all this. For those who are listening who are not, there's a number of on-ramps to um, being an IP lawyer. One is you just go to law school. You know, you have likely that STEM type background. You become an IP lawyer. Another is you may actually become a patent, a patent agent or engineer. First, you could do that for however many years, and then sometimes people choose to then go to law school. Um, at Foley in particular, there is a program that actually, I think, assists people in doing that exact thing. And then I think it, this is actually a slightly different on-ramp, is working as a patent engineer in summers while you are still in school. And so for you, while you are also... This is the summer before you start at law school, but also while in law school, essentially. And let me know if I'm getting that wrong, but I think that I think that's right. So yeah, I did the summer patent engineer program before I started law school, and then once I was in law school, I just was a, like a one L summer associate. Yeah, you switched summer. to being a summer associate. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. that's right. And here's the thing, Allison, I told you I was going to raise it on the show and I'm doing it right now. It's harder for me to follow along because you're not on LinkedIn. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. I hope everyone knows before we started. I, I think it was kindly. I don't think it was a full on rant, but I can rant if ever, if, if you want me to, Allison. It was a, a kind words to Allison encouraging her to be on LinkedIn. Um, One, because it just is easier for me on a podcast, but more importantly, because even as a law student, you are starting to grow that professional network. And it's a great way to plant that seed that allows you to keep track of and connect with people. And Allison, you can tell me your position because I think your position is what actually a lot of people believe when it comes to LinkedIn. Yeah. So this is so funny. Um, didn't expect to have my non-LinkedIn existence come up today. But yeah, no, I just, I just feel like, you know, I made it this far and I mean, obviously I have a long way to go, but, um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, my more meaningful connections are in person and yeah, it seems a little bit artificial to me on LinkedIn. And, and like I said, I haven't needed it thus far. So I'm kind of just, I'm not convinced yet, you know? Yes. Well, that's right. And it is, it is artificial is one thing. Um, but no, the reason I raise it is I just think it's really interesting thing for law students to hear as well is that as a platform, I think, and also social media in general, I think a lot of people are like, eh, it's just not for me. But I would encourage everyone, including Allison, who may or may not embrace <laughs> LinkedIn, we don't know, um, to consider setting that up because it's just, it's a helpful way for you to start 
start collecting your network for lack of a better better term. It really lets you keep track of and visualize who you know, which might sound like not a big deal as a law student, but it's very powerful. You add five, 10 years to that, it's a big deal. But also um, you can teach it what you're interested in. And so once you're a professional, you can follow the pages of, you know, company pages, publications. And so for me, this is very different because I don't practice anymore, but obviously I follow a lot of, of what's going on in the legal industry. And it's rare that someone will send me something I have not already seen because I have curated LinkedIn to essentially bring me that info. So I will I will end my rant here. But Allison, I appreciate you for allowing me to, to raise that because I do think it's valuable. And of course, what you said is true. In-person is what really matters. But it's, it's just, I think, one more tool that can really help law students. But anyway, you were talking about how you first summer was a patent engineer, then you were with us as a 1L summer, and then with us as a 2L summer. So your story and your connection to Foley are a little bit different in that you didn't go through what may be more of the traditional, you know, I, I went through the on-campus interview process and I, you know, bid on 15 firms and I chose Foley. Mm-hmm. But I would love to get you to reflect a little bit on your summer associate experiences, which, you know, the summer associate experiences have been unique. But even before that, could you just say a few words about what one does as a summer patent engineer? Yeah, so I, um, that was kind of like my first time really working on on matters. When I did that other um, internship, really early on in undergrad, I was more of just an assistant. And, but in the summer patent engineer program, I really got to, you know, do hands-on stuff and really start learning, you know, what patent prosecution was all about. So I think I helped. I definitely was able to get some exposure to working on office action responses, which is like the communication with the United States Patent Trademark Office. When they reject your application, you have to respond. And then I think I got a little bit of exposure drafting. Well, not I might have drafted some some claims for patent applications. I'm sorry, it's like been a, a few years. <laughs> I'm like trying to, but yeah, definitely did like sub- substantial work, and like I learned yep. a lot, and it was a great starting point to you know start a career in that field. Well, and what's funny is, and I after maybe after your podcast, I will I will, and I mean this in the nicest way. I will take a little bit of a break from some of our patent lawyers because I've had a number of fully IP lawyers on the show the last few episodes, and part of that was to make up for a lack of them before that. And so I just think for a lot of attorneys who are not patent lawyers, we actually don't necessarily, and I still say we, cause I'm still licensed, but we don't necessarily have a great idea of what that area of the law is. I think the pinnacle of legal practice, frankly, is to have a decent idea of what everybody at your firm does. So I appreciate you sharing that because I, I, I think I, I could be wrong that what you are working on as a patent engineer did lay a foundation for and give you exposure to things that you very, you know, you very much will need to know as a practicing attorney. And then I know from our earlier discussion that you had that experience at the firm, you then start law school and we will go back to that by the way. But then when you came back as a 1L summer associate, it's like you just kept building and they're kind of like, hi, Allison, you're back. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can work on the stuff you did before, but now we can also add this other thing to the mix. And so apologies as I sort of weave these th- these things together because I'm, I'm very focused on bringing a, a lot of value to people because I realize we have listeners who are in a variety of places in their career. 
But before we pick up again, at, you know, maybe we'll just jump to the 2L summer, which is the summer you just finished. But could you just say a few words about law school and what it was like starting at the University of Michigan? Yeah, it was definitely an intimidating environment. I think I was super excited. I was very, I was ready to work hard and learn, but you're in this elite environment where you feel like everyone is just such like a stellar person and scholar and everyone talks about imposter syndrome. And I definitely had some of that, but I really loved Michigan Law School because the people were so amazing. And I'm sure you experienced that too, but everyone was just so nice and willing to help. And I made some, some really good friends that, you know, I think will be lifelong friends. And also like we were able to make through the pandemic as friends, you know, when you couldn't oh my goodness. see each other. So, I mean, that's just a testament to the whole pandemic dynamic. And I, I should add that. Um, so as I mentioned, I can see Allison and behind her is a photograph <laughs> of the Michigan law reading room, which I like to see. <laughs> um, but so you can, you can just tell how, how, I th- how bonded I think Michigan law students are, but I think that's true for any, for most law students and their law school, but no, that's right. You did have the whole added um, dynamic of the pandemic, which would have did that hit basically your second semester of your correct first year? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to have had a little bit of regular of a regular experience and then form those connections, which is super critical for me because, like I told you, I really like to ask questions to learn, and I was able to you know use my friends as you know people to ask questions to and talk about things and discuss in addition to um, my professors and office hours. Yeah, absolutely. And just like emotional support too, you know? (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. And a question that I either ask with IP lawyers or it comes up, in terms of that adjustment to the style of learning and the style of taking tests, my understanding is that is different from the way you probably were learning or being tested when you were focusing on um, mechanical engineering. Did you find that you had to change your your study habits or kind of get up to speed in, in that way? I think it was like a different way of studying. I joined um, a study group so with my friends and um, we were able to talk things out and just like review every week and that was super helpful. But I don't know if that was r- super different than what I was doing before because I was going to office hours and collaborating with people. Yes. So I think that's just how I like to work, but I just shifted it, you know? So. I had um, a few episodes back, Steve Mellendorf, who is a cybersecurity and privacy senior counsel in Foley's San Diego office. And he was an engineer for two decades before law school. So obviously very different life. But he talked about when he adjusted to law school that something that was hard for him was he was used to sort of getting, and you tell me if I'm wrong with this, Allison, because it's probably not that dissimilar, but you would essentially with engineering get like the formula or whatever it is you were supposed to apply. And then you get to practice it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And so he actually had somebody sort of pull him aside after he like had some major challenges first semester and was like, as an engineer, you may need to study a little bit differently because you're used to kind of getting the formula, practicing it and applying it. And you can kind of have that same format with this, but that's otherwise not how it's going to be presented to you, which I thought was super interesting. Definitely. Definitely. And I would add on to that, like, there's not necessarily one right answer. And that was another thing that was super challenging to kind of 
wrap my head around is that, okay, like when I get to the end of this problem or prompt or whatever it is, there's, you know, you don't just circle your number and that's it. (laughs) It's like, you have to write words and (laughs) they can be different and they can all be right. And that's weird. (laughs) I love that you said that. That is like a big law school secret that I think everybody has to eventually come to terms with. But if you are somebody who's more like, the answer is 12 because the answer is 12, <laughs> right? And you take that to, oh, I don't know, your first year torts class. And like you said, you're usually given some essay prompt and the usually what they want in torts. And by the way, I have to qualify everything because I don't want someone to fail a torts exam. Because, <laughs> <laughs> But usually what they want is this, like, it could be this, it could be that, it might be this, she could argue this, or maybe she'll answer that. Um, and if you're just like, it's an intentional tort because of X done. Yeah. Often that's a great way to get a C on a law school exam. Yes. Yes. They want me like, sometimes like consider different things and then say, oh, which one's probably the most likely because of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, wait, I thought there was only one so, option. Like, that's right. You were making me laugh because we did go to Michigan. You know, we both went to the same school and I know Professor Sherman Clark is still teaching at Michigan. <laughs> I don't know if you had him, but I literally just saw him on Michigan's Instagram. Oh yeah. So I, I know he too. is still teaching. There you go. And I remember for, for his class, just thinking like the best answer for him was always the like more layers of it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. Like you could add in like, and I don't know, maybe aliens would come down and then you would have to argue that was an assumption of risk because the baseball stadium should have known that aliens were coming. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how out there it could um, could feel at times. So so I do appreciate you sharing that because as we get law students listening, even people contemplating law school, that is some really valuable advice. Um, but yeah, also the experience in the pandemic, and I apologize because I'm kind of riffing on all of this, but I just think acknowledging how hard that has been for for everyone and to be a, a virtual law student for you know what's effectively going to be potentially half mm-hmm. of your um, law school experience is something that a lot of people are going through. And this is one of those words, like mark my words, but you know, in 10 years from now, you may be giving advice to law students and they'll be asking how it was for you. And you'll be like, well, what you need to know is I was affected by the 2019 <laughs> pandemic. And so that's something you're going to be saying for Honestly. that. This is like a formative thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. In your experience. Okay. So let's talk about this summer. I'll stop, you know, annoying people by talking about everything <laughs> else, but 2L summer. And yeah, you were with Foley's a 1L, which means you also experienced the virtual summer programs. You can also feel free to say words about that. But how was, how was this summer for you? You know, what kind of things did you work on? Um, what was life like in, in the Detroit office? Yeah, the summer was, the summer was really awesome, actually. Um, I first of all loved the other two summer associates that were in the Detroit office with me. Um, we got along super well, which is great because, you know, we get, we're all experiencing a similar situation and um, it's nice to just have people to talk to. And um, I think that this summer I really grew in, in my skills and in my experiences, even though it was like virtual, I, it was funny because as like I was getting back to getting ready to go back to Foley this summer and it was virtual. And I was like, honestly, like I'm more used to virtual at this point than going in person. That's true. Because last summer was, was virtual for you too. Yeah. And then school. And I'm like, I don't even remember what 
human interaction is like. So, um, <laughs> you fully adapted, you have fully adapted. Yeah. But, um, we were able to actually do quite a bit of stuff in person as like the, the situation in, in Michigan got better, uh, which was awesome because it's, it's just so nice to see people and meet new people in person and, and make those connections. So we were able to do a lot of fun activities and just being in the office. It was really great. But yeah, I, I think this summer I was able to branch out in some of the work that I was doing and, and the people I was working for. And I just really feel like I I grew as a future attorney, future patent attorney. Now, and so, some of the nuts and bolts questions, I, I'm trying to hit at least, I don't know, one, maybe two of the questions that students like to ask during on-campus interviewing. And I know for you, it's a little bit different because you had had two summers with Foley prior to this summer. But in terms of your assignments, because you know, one big question about summer is always like, how do assignments work? How do I get what I'm working on? So how did, how did that dynamic work for you? Yeah, for me personally, I got a lot of my assignments just through the attorneys that work in the Detroit office. So, you know, we have a partner in the mechanical, electromechanical technologies practice group, and he funneled a lot of work to me. Um, another associate works in electronics and gave me a bunch of work. Um, we have another associate in ChemBio who gave me some projects. And then I was able to work with a senior counsel in the DC office who I got work from through like through my bosses in Detroit. You know, they're like, oh, you know, reach out to this person, see if they need help with stuff. So I didn't personally use the work allocation system that we have, but I know that the other summer associates did. So I think it might just depend on like what practice group you're in, what office you're in. But. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's right. Cause for you also, you know, a lot of the people already. Yeah. And I think we were joking before that they're like, Allison's back. Honestly, they're like, here. wait, don't you already work here? <laughs> But, but, but what you'll find, so I have no, I'm not at all surprised that was your experience. Um, But for those coming in for the first time ever, you know, as their, their 2L summer, the firm does have essentially a a database of uh, summer assignments for each office. And I think a lot of summers will use that to get their work. But, you know, what can happen is you'll then develop relationships with people. And you did that first assignment. And now they know you're, you know, kind of caught up on whatever they're working on. Then they'll ask you if you want to do do something else. Um, so yeah, so I think you can expect a, a mix of that. And I'm also curious, how does how did feedback work for you? Did you feel like people would kind of sit down with you and, you know, let you know their their thoughts or feedback on assignments that you'd done for them? Definitely, definitely. And that's huge. That's a huge part of the learning process. Um, especially for me, as I've said multiple times already, like I like asking questions and that's how I learn. So having access to people to ask questions or just see their feedback is really helpful to me to, to grow and learn. And I definitely sat down with multiple people, um, to discuss my assignments that I did. And, and I tried to implement those changes to my future assignments, um, which I think, you know, I think when someone tells you something, they don't want to keep telling you the same thing. So I think that's a that's something that I tried to do. And um, uh, I think everyone was super willing to, they're just like, let me know if you have questions. I can discuss these with you. Obviously, attorneys are busy. 
um, especially Foley attorneys, like they have a lot of important stuff going on, but they still made time for, for feedback, which I think was really important for my learning. It is. It's, it's, it's critical. And I, I love though, that you're someone who like, you keep like the theme is I like to ask questions, <laughs> but, but also what that means is I like getting feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're willing to go to professor's office hours and say, you know, what's going on here, that means you're willing and open to them saying, maybe correcting you. And that's mm-hmm. literally the whole point. But that is a skill that will serve you very well as a lawyer. Um, and so for listeners, feedback is the holy grail of attorney development. And if you can get people to sit down with you and tell you what you can improve, it's way faster that way than you having to do it trial and error for what without, you know, someone's comment could actually launch you like three years ahead in that particular skill set of something that you otherwise might have just done maybe maybe not wrong but let's call it not optimally mm-hmm. <laughs> um without without that feedback and i just also think for attorneys or actually i should say for law students as they're assessing law firms a huge question is the feedback culture really big like that is more important than a lot of the other things people ask about it's will people tell me how i can get better because that that's the same as saying are they going to help me develop as a lawyer And then as you were talking, something I wanted to mention also for people who are listening to your episode and you're the first summer associate they've heard from and they'd like to hear from others is also episode 23 of the podcast is Nick Benson, who was at Foley last summer, summer of 2020. And then episode 50, oh, I think it's 53 or 50 is, yeah, episode 50 is Doug Lightfoot, who's another summer associate this summer out of the DC office, also IP. And then just as I mentioned earlier, a couple episodes before you is um, Savannah Levin, who is litigation out of LA. So just trying to to mix all that in, because I think if someone is interested in knowing what it's like to be a summer at Foley, if you listen to all those episodes, you'll see that the experience varies, but there are some uniform, um, some uniform principles there. Um, the other thing, Allison, that I was thinking for you is it's really interesting because you've seen Foley operating in multiple modes. Like you had a summer with the firm as an engineer well before anyone knew there'd be a pandemic. <laughs> you you did the six-week program when we were all just you know really trying to figure it out. And then this longer program that was still virtual in many ways, but the world op- had opened up a little bit more. So it's just funny that you've seen the firm in all these different modes. Yeah. Who would have thought? I don't have been able to do that in three years. (laughs) Well, and I just think it's so funny that when you come back as an attorney, they'll be like, haven't you been an attorney for a while? I know. It's honestly funny. I'm like, every time I, it's like, I come back, I'm like, I'm back. (laughs) People are just like, don't you work here already? Like... Yes, you just you just won't be leaving when you return, which is very exciting. Well, and and the other thing, which I I you know, sorry, this is gonna be kind of funny to raise, but I'm just gonna raise it anyway. So, Allison, as I was looking back at my notes for our earlier conversation, because yes, I reached out to literally every summer associate this summer. (laughs) I wrote down IP, I wrote down Michigan, I wrote down Detroit, and I wrote down reality TV. Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) And so, I would love if you would just talk about because I think you shared with me earlier how you did find someone in the Detroit office who shared your mm-hmm. your passions for certain TV shows. Yeah. And I don't know, share that too, because I want people to like, we're also people oh, yeah. while we're, you know, doing these like complicated patent prosecution things. Yes. So people who know me know I love reality TV. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. But um, yeah, one of the other summer associates, she also loves Real Housewives. So that's one of the things I um, 
super I think Real Houses of New York City got me through the pandemic. <laughs> wow. That's a testament. That's a That's public a service they were doing. They were doing public service. And my roommate can also tell you that it got me through the pandemic. Um, but uh and then one of my assist or one of the assistants in the IP group, um, she loves ba- everything Bachelor, Bachelor Nation, all that good stuff. So we've definitely bonded over that. Um, and it's just so fun. It's fun to like, it's fun to talk about other things besides work. And like you said, people are real people here. And like, you know, one of the, like, we'll be talking about Bachelor and we'll get made fun of by another attorney. And it's just fun. <laughs> Well, it's so much fun. And you can imagine for me as the firm's diversity director, I just, I think that's so great because what Foley wants and what I know I want is for people to feel like they can be their authentic self. And I know that that word is used so much that it may be devoid of meaning, but I know it's important to us to know that Allison, you know, is an avid fan of swimming you know, both probably watching it and doing it as well as the real housewives of New York. Like those are things that, um, you know, we actually want people to bring some of that to work, you know, do your work too. But I also think it balances what can be some really hard, um, demanding, like very cerebral practices Mm -hmm. that people have. We have to bring in the fun stuff too. Yeah. You have to be fun. And like you said, just, it's nice to be able to talk to people about things other than and other than the work because the work is always there and and it's it's fun and it's it's good to learn but yeah it's a nice break sometimes just to be able to have a real conversation with with others absolutely all right so here's the thing i'm undoubtedly forgetting to ask you like six or seven questions that i should so apologies um but i do encourage people to reach out to you um although they have to figure out how allison because you're not on linkedin and that's where maybe i refer I'll them to so we'll LinkedIn talk about after this maybe you might have <laughs> okay me. you should you should just for that purpose but as we are winding down do you have any just overall advice and you can style this to whatever audience you want but whether it be somebody contemplating law school or contemplating an ip path do you have any just general recommendations for them yeah, I think I think that what I would say is be true to yourself because I think we know each we know ourselves better than other people know ourselves. We know ourselves better than others do. So, yeah, one thing and I can like an example of this is, you know, you go to these you go to a big law school and and everybody's like, "Oh, I'm going to go to New York or LA or DC." These Chicago big markets and and it's easy to get wrapped up in that or feel like oh I have to do this because this is the way everyone else is doing it and I but and then I and I was like oh maybe I'm not doing it right like maybe I should be doing what all these other people are doing because that's a huge thing that University of Michigan also markets is like oh you can come here and you can go anywhere but I you know I talked to I thought it over, with, you know, myself, I reflected and, and talked with my mom and dad and, and just, I was like, you know what, this is, I've, I really love being in Michigan. This is where I like to be. This is where the people I like I'm closest with are. And, and I decided, you know what, you know, being in Michigan is the best thing for me. So that was, you know, a huge realization to have. And it made me just enjoy all my experiences 
the Detroit office and bully so much more because I was just confident in what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And, and it made me not second guess or think I should be doing other things. So yeah, I guess I would just say be true to yourself and, and don't, don't let others, you know, make you question what you, you know, you know, is good for yourself. I think those are such wise, wise words. And it's so hard, but it's so good, good to hear that. And I think also, you know, gather tidbits of information, but but put them through your lens, like you said, then take it and reflect on yourself as to what works best for you. But with that, Allison, I will just say thank you so much for being the show on the show. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that you do make that LinkedIn profile <laughs> even if only for the purpose of people who listen to this podcast, having a way to contact you because I don't necessarily want to give out your UMish email to the world right now. <laughs> but um, I, it sounds to me like if she sets that up, she'd be happy to have you reach out to her. Say, so yeah, listeners. Like, I will be happy to answer <laughs> any questions or just chat. Um, I'd love to talk to anyone who, you know, spent the time listening to my, this podcast that I've been on. So, um, yeah. And, Perfect. And you'll be my first link. I think that's what they call it. So. Conne- it's connection. Connection. Now, so first I don't connection. even know the lingo, but <laughs> this is the my best. first connection. <laughs> okay. We will make this happen. Thank you so much for being on the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to The Path and the Practice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and join us again next time. And if you did enjoy it, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review as your feedback on the podcast is important to us. Also, please note that this podcast may be considered attorney advertising and is made available by Foley and Lardner LLP for informational purposes only. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship. Any opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the views of Foley and Lardner, LLP, its partners, or its clients. Additionally, this podcast is not meant to convey the firm's legal position on behalf of any client, nor is it intended to convey specific legal advice. 